Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown and each and every week, joined by some of the brightest minds in all of the gaming and gambling industry this week, Brett Colson, Dustin Galker, both here with me. Dustin, it has been a very, very busy week. We are on SCOTUS Watch as always. We are constantly sitting around waiting for that tweet to come through that something is going to happen but that's not going to happen anytime here soonish. When's the next time we can basically look to maybe kind of possibly have something go where we could get excited about? Yes, we'd love to be excited about something other than waiting. Uh, next possible date that the Supreme Court will rule in the New Jersey sports betting case is on May 14th. And then they have two other dates later in the month uh, where they could as well. So uh, Monday morning, fire up your Twitter or whatever you, you follow us on and we'll uh, we'll have instant analysis if it happens or we'll just play the Price is Right losing song. Then we're waiting again for another week. Yeah, the sad trombone, if you will. Brett, do you just sit there on the Twitter machine continually refreshing every single 30 seconds to see if we have a decision? Yes, I'm just like every other asshole <laughs> that, is, that is working in this industry on those mornings at 10 o'clock Eastern. SCOTUS Watch 2018, guys. We will keep you up to date just time and time and time again. We will just play that sad trombone, the Price is Right music, whatever it will be, because... I think, Dustin, I think deep down you think this is going to just go the go the distance, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to surprise me if it goes any longer, right? We're, uh, like a lot of people kind of thought it was going to be March or April. That's the normal time frame for a decision from in any Supreme Court case. So, yeah, I think we're yeah we're just going to have to – it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're still waiting at the end of June, which, which I, as I like to say, like it, make, it makes everyone else miserable just waiting. So I'm, I'm, I kind of enjoy everyone else being miserable while, while I'm watching legislative hearings and stuff like that. Yeah, so. you, you basically have the scheduled tweet of, yeah, no new news today basically ready to go yeah ready to go um okay we had a big big weekend in especially in sports gambling sports betting whenever you look at of course the you know the playoffs are still going on in in two different sports but the kentucky derby one of those huge one-off events you know the masters kentucky derby all these events that people don't really care about the sport all that much throughout the rest of the year but when the masters rolls around everyone wants to get some action going same deal with the kentucky derby the first leg of the triple crown here and listen it was a big big day at the betting window we got some word from churchill downs wagers across all uh, across all of the races 225.7 million that's up eight percent just at the kentucky derby alone 1.4 not 149.9 million that's up eight percent as well and then dustin you know one of the things that we look at is is online obviously that's one of the big things that we see and and are pushing as far as expansion goes and how easy this could be and and twin spires which is their online leg there 39.2 million for the day that's up 15 percent and for the derby 24.6 million that's up 18 percent year over year here so i mean this just seems to me seems like a snowball effect here i imagine that we can expect these numbers to probably increase dramatically for next year as well the easier it is for people to access uh, wagering yeah absolutely i mean online horse betting has been around for a while but the technology is getting better people their twin spires as i was watching the derby broadcast was constantly a, a promoting itself so there's going to be this more and this is additive revenue for this is you know this is not necessarily people just not going to the track this is people who probably wouldn't go to the track anyway and just like oh i can bet online that's great that's uh it's additive for horse racing and that's the same kind of thing if we see online sports betting roll out it's additive to 
the sports books. That's what we've experienced in Nevada, right? It's uh, they had a sports betting grew kind of incrementally over the years until we had mobile wagering earlier in the decade, and now we've seen it just rapidly increase as everyone's had online wagering. So um, definitely a lot of lessons to be taken away from beyond horse betting from from those numbers. Yeah, and if you look at this, you know, people are going to say, "Wow, that's you know, fifteen million were bet on the other races throughout the day," and I think this can be kind of given to the television coverage as well i mean nbc went on very early with their coverage i mean hours in advance they were showing some of these preliminary races actually on nbc and like you said every single commercial break there was a you know a commercial for twin spires and i think that that probably spawned a lot of the action i mean they were offering a hundred dollar sign up bonus uh to sign up there and i'm sure to a lot of people that was very enticing and and Brett, I mean, you know, if you're if you're sitting at home and and you want it and you planned on basically wagering on the Derby anyway, they probably got a lot of people to kind of throw some money on some of these prelim races, I would assume. Absolutely. And, you know, as I was standing in line for 45 minutes at my local OTB on Saturday, I was thinking about how glorious it would be to place a bet from my phone. Uh, you know, as, as we see these records being broken every year, uh, we're seeing the potential of the industry when you combine it with technology, just like Dustin said, better apps with in-game betting options and live streaming access. It's exciting to think about. Yeah, I mean, this essentially to me, I mean, this is just we're, we continue to lay the blueprint here. We continue to lay the success of online gaming and gambling and really and truly the safety that is involved in all of this. I mean, there's several factor when it comes to authentic authentication and, and, and verifying who you you are and, and whatnot this seems to be something that's only going to continue to grow as we see 15 percent 18 percent up uh, on the online side there now side notes from the kentucky derby here we had some friends over at the win here brett that that laid down a a 500 bet on justify and you're like okay well i mean that's a big bet on justify but this happened in february so what was the payout for that thing uh, it was a lot. It was, uh, I think, $150,000 on a $500 bet. And how do you get these? Uh, how are these odds available? 300 to 1 on a horse that closed at 2.5 to 1. That's, that's amazing. This guy or this group or contingent, whoever placed the bet, had some uh, some really nice information on a horse that had yet to run a race as a two-year-old. And uh, they hit the they hit the jackpot on this one. Yeah, I mean the guy the they, this obviously is someone who is a huge, huge, huge <coughs> horse player to be able to find a horse this diamond in the rough that did not run for an entire year of its life and get that horse at three hundred to one. Of course, a hundred fifty thousand dollar payout there, and then we had an Austin woman who had an $18 pick five. And if you're wondering what that is, is you have to pick the winner of five races in um, uh, throughout the day. She picked the winners of races eight to 12. That included a 40 to one horse. And if you're wondering what that $18 ticket paid, it paid $1.2 million. $1.2 million buckaroos for an $18 pick five ticket. I'll be honest, I really don't bet a ton of horses. I would never have even laid a pick five bet. Dustin, were you even aware a pick five bet existed? Like, I was know? aware. I was aware. I, I, I actually, I didn't grow up on tracks, but I, I used to, I, I'm from Pennsylvania and did, went to a lot of races in Penn National in my day. So I, I didn't, I do know this is a bet they could do, but that's, uh, it's picking five winners and especially in a dirt. And then the, the last one's a derby field with 20 horses. That's, <laughs> 
It's, uh, I mean, obviously the favorite came in, but that's still a, a crazy thing to happen. And I think, the, I think the moral of the story is I'm just going to go looking around for like astronomically high horse, like yes. odds for horse races and just start putting bets down on all of those things. I yeah, think that's I, a good plan. I, I think that is the best way to make money in sports is just to bet the 41, 40 to one horses. So like, that's definitely the way to do it. And, and funny, funny aside here, I did one night find myself in a casino, you know, later on at night and we're watching some horse but you know we wanted to place a couple of wagers and so we're sitting there watching and there's only one track left there's only one race left for the night and so we sit there and we see this one horse and it's like 85 to one we're like okay like you know whatever last race of the night let's go ahead let's bet this 85 to one horse well we get out there we bet the 85 to one horse and again it's the last race of the night so everyone that's watching all over the country is seeing this and so these odds start you know start to tumble and we find out it's only like a 300-yard race, so it's basically just like a sprint or whatever. And we're just like, oh, man, this is such a horrible thing. By the time the thing goes off, the horse is all the way down to like 20 to 1 because, again, everyone's trying to win big money at the last race of the night. So the race takes off. The horses all just go across the thing in a blur, and we're like, well, did we win or not or whatever? And a solid two seconds later this horse comes gimping across the finish line or whatever. <laughs> and it was the horse. Of course it was the horse that we bet on. And that was the reason it was 85 to one in the first place. Like, like, so the moral of that story is never bet an 85 to one horse just because you want to try to win something big because somebody knows something. And there's a reason the horse was 85 to one. It was amazing. I mean, the whole, the whole field crossed at the exact same line, same time of the finish line, except for this horse that came in, you know, a solid two seconds later, I'll never, I'll, I'll never bet the 85 to one. Kind of right. and well, I mean, what with the Mendelssohn, uh, the European horse finished what's like seventy-two lengths behind uh, Justify, <laughs> I think, which is yeah, and and, and, and uh, for no, like that's like the longest ever, like for a for the for that big of a stakes race for a horse that didn't like pull up lame. So yeah, I was and, on the same horse. And, and was, one yeah, I was going to say that they it got some steam there as as the race was approaching. I mean, it was yeah. it was it was getting a lot of pub. I saw on the Twitter machine there were all kinds of people who were like, "Oh, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on." I was like, "Well, you, that's unfortunate for you." Hopefully you didn't have him. Hopefully you didn't have him in any of your trifecta boxes or anything like that. Um, okay, sitting here, some of the big news in sports betting in in our little world here that came out was was FanDuel and FanDuel. You know, following as we kind of figured they would into this sports betting realm here. FanDuel CEO Matt King said a Supreme Court overturn would mean that we would get into sports betting. This business is around fan engagement and helping fans feel closer to the things they like. And clearly, sports betting is one way to help people do that now Dustin this is a pretty big turn from where FanDuel and the position that they have taken in recent years when asked about this yeah I mean uh, I think we've seen we've you could say that it would be almost unthinkable like three years for FanDuel to say I'm gonna do we're gonna do sports betting they've been historically way more conservative than DraftKings in the daily fantasy space although they've they've started doing pretty much everything that DraftKings does from golf to NASCAR to um, single game contests so it's obviously a different world they, uh, their CEO Nigel Eccles left last year under a new regime so they're like but so they're obviously doing pushing the envelope now and this is also something that shocks no one I mean DF FS is doing fine. It's growing year over year, but there's not. We're not going to hit the projections that some people were making three years ago. That were just astronomical growth. So yes, obviously a pivot to sports betting if they can pull that off would make sense. It's uh, perhaps a hard sell. Um, we're, we're still waiting to see exactly what DraftKings is going to do. They, they. Uh, it seems like they're going to find a way to to operate in Jersey should pass we get overturned. But FanDuel obviously wants a piece of that market. They have a database that's useful to uh, somebody who runs wants to run a sports book. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, Brad. I mean. You're 
you're a you're a DFS player, um, obviously very familiar with FanDuel, very familiar with DraftKings. Uh, this almost seems like one of those things where the decision was made for them whenever DraftKings made the decision, because with the way that FanDuel's kind of fallen as far as market share and and whatnot when it comes to the DFS industry, uh, if that was something that DraftKings was going to do, they basically made the decision for FanDuel that it was also something they were going to do, or they were going to fall even further behind, in my opinion. Yeah, of course, and it makes it makes sense because there's infinitely more money in sports betting there than there is in fantasy sports, which is more of a niche game. But I just I find it amusing the levels of hypocrisy we have with some of these companies uh, because they say what they have to say to advance their objectives, but really we all know what they think. DFS is gambling, just like sports betting, just like poker. I think it was Matt King who said there's no skill in poker a few years ago. I'd like to get his take on that today when he doesn't have to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it's one of those things where if you play any of these things and, you know, I, I've obviously spent a, a ton of time and basically all of it across the course of, of my lifetime here. And, you know, is there an element of luck in in DFS? Of course, there is, an ele- is there an element of luck in poker? Of course, there is there as well. But, you know, again, they're both skill based gaming with definite gamble and luck involved in all these things like that. And, you know, I understand why at the time they had to take the positions that they took. But, Dustin, there was pretty much nothing in this world that bothered you more than every time these things were coming up. In these, I mean, you were one of the biggest, biggest guys who would go after them every time stuff like this was said. Oh yeah, you know it's uh, it's uh, it's a little played out now. It, well, maybe not. I still do, I still do it from the time to time. I, I like to I like to rip it, but it's yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think almost all rational people can agree that it's a form of skill based gambling at this point. Whether now they've obviously won that argument in almost every state where they've tried to. Uh, they've been declared a game of skill in almost twenty states. So you know, hey, good for them. They've uh, carved themselves out a great niche. I do think it'll be weird slash interesting when you've got a platform that's here. You got DFS here regulated by one thing. You have sports betting over here regulated by casino game uh regulators so that'll be interesting and it's definitely strange but we'll uh we'll see where it goes another thing that's just tied loosely here to the you know whole fan duel and DraftKings thing that went down a couple of years ago is it's one by the name of eric schneiderman and if you guys have been following the news here lately you may or may not have heard this he was resigned on monday dustin but uh some interesting stuff came out about this guy who kind of seemed like he wanted to take this moral high ground when it came to just about everything in the world and to find out seems like like a lot of these politicians had some dirty laundry of his own. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely not shocking that a high-powered politician has a scandal in his past at this point. So, I mean, yeah, if you, you can Google Eric Schneiderman and find uh, the sordid details about the uh, the alleged assault on four women that I think the New York the New Yorker first reported on earlier this week instantly led to his resignation. And yeah, if you follow DFS, you're uh, probably pretty aware, or at least of what happened in, in its history, you're pretty aware of Schneiderman. And uh, he issued cease and desist letters to DraftKings and FanDuel 2015. Uh, arguably, if he didn't, if he wasn't involved and he didn't do this, the, we could have seen a lot different outcome for how DFS kind of grew and what happened over the last several years. It might not have been; they, they still probably would have gotten regulated. We probably would have seen some of the other legal issues. But you know, he was definitely the most the loudest person, kind of saying DFS is gambling, trying to take legal action against them. And uh, it's yeah, it's inter- it's interesting. Three years later, to look back and like, oh, now he's gone, and he had this big impact on DFS and DFS industry. Yeah, this guy that you know turns out that he's got skeletons in his closet as well, Brett. One of the one of the very unfortunate 
unfortunate, I think, you know, byproducts of all that that, you know, for me anyway was, uh, you know, he basically ruined a guy's life through all this. I mean, you know, when you talk about Ethan Haskell, it was his name was drugged through the mud, you know, basically at every given opportunity. This was a very hot button talking point on basically every mi- mainstream media article that you read when it came to this. And like, you know, you have a guy in Schneiderman here who was doing bad things on his own and he, you know, ruined this kid's life. I mean, it, this was not someone that was, you know, an, an older adult. This was still like kind of an up and coming person within the industry. And uh, but to me, it seems like a, a very, very unfortunate byproduct of all this. Yeah, and Ethan Haskell did nothing wrong to begin right. with, really. So, I mean, he, you know, Schneiderman used Ethan Haskell as the example of why DraftKings needs to have changes, uh, you know, with consumer protections. And it's unfortunate that he's Ethan got dragged into this because he really is a, a great guy and it didn't, didn't deserve any of that. Yeah, it was it was bad for him. I mean, there were all kinds of terrible things being said about him online. And uh, it's from a guy that, as we find out, had some stuff that could have been said about him as well. Um, Looking here at Adam Silver, our good friend, Adam Silver, if you are not following this, he is the commissioner of the NBA, the National Basketball Association, a guy that up until recently we kind of thought was our friend, um, has kind of changed his position here, and we don't really look at him as that great of an ally and friend here really anymore. He came out and said regulated betting can lead to a dramatic increase in engagement, something we've been beating the drum for a lot. This is kind of strange, though, Dustin, when it comes down to it, because his lobbyists have said that it really wouldn't increase the bottom line all that much. However, there are study after study after study after study that says that engagement obviously in anything would lead to an abundance of additional revenue here. So this is just one of those things where we continue to get mixed messages from the NBA over and over and over again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, anybody I know would say, oh, you're, you're trying, like, you're trying to get people to watch more and that's going to help you. Right. That's not, it's not, it's not, it's intuitive. That's not something that's strange, but I've actually, I've listened to lobbyists say that sports betting doesn't help them. If, if it gets legalized, they're just converting the black market. It's a, it's a, a neutral sum, a zero sum game for them, which is just absolute nonsense to me. Um, so yeah, Adam Silver coming out and saying, yeah, it's going to help. It's going to help us with fan engagement. Uh, they're not looking at fan engagement and how long people watch games and whether they tune out or not. They're not doing that for funsies, right? They're doing that because it's it, it's going to help them with TV contracts, with the value of for sponsorships and things like that. So you get people more people betting on sports via leg, legal and regulated sports betting. Clearly, it's going to have a, a positive impact on the NBA. Yeah, I mean, when you take a look and and you know we go back to fantasy sports just a little bit here, Brad. I mean, like there are there are games. It's better for the schedule came out. They're better this year, but there, there were Thursday night games where you knew for sure that the only people that had hung around past the third quarter in any of these games were people either betting on these games or playing DFS on these games because they were actually atrocious to watch. These are games. I am a you know, I'm in the upper 99.999 percentile of guys that, that consumes sports and I will find a reason to watch the sports for whatever reason. I was having a hard time leaving these games on. And so it, it, to even try to even float the notion that this isn't something that would drive revenue to these leagues is complete is completely asinine. I feel like we saw it more this year than ever before with the super teams that were created in the NBA. I mean, games that didn't involve the Warriors, the Cavaliers, and the Rockets this year 
Joe Nobody in Reno or Matt Brown in Vegas <laughs> are the only guys watching the Clippers-Hawks game because they have money on it. There's no other reason to watch that game in March. So does the NBA benefit from widespread uh, widespread sports betting? Of course. Whether they get an in- integrity fee or not, they are going to benefit from uh, more regulated and legalized sports betting yeah I mean, can, I just, is, can i just say i like that uh joe nobody and matt brown are we're using the same sense listen listen <laughs> listen joe nobody's a good friend of mine all right and he's a pretty good sports gambler up there in reno so y'all just same leave, circles yeah you guys just leave him alone he comes down to vegas every now and then i let him stay in my spare bedroom it's good it's fine um one of the quotes that it, that, that came out of this and there's a lot and, and there's even a new uh, article on the athletic that, that where there's some quotes from adam silver one of the ones we're looking at here is in the intellectual property creators like the NBA, which invest billions of dollars per year creating their product, $7.5 billion in 2018 alone, should share in the proceeds. Legalized sports betting creates an opportunity to be compensated directly by selling our video and data. Now, Dustin, one of the questions I want to ask you here, because, you know, the the season-long fantasy industry has long been a, a friend and darling specifically of the NFL because they understand for sure what fantasy has done for them and the, you know, all the publicity that they get with the now dedicated fantasy television shows on ESPN and CBS and Fox and everything like that could with stuff like this, talking about being compensated for video and for data. I mean, what are the implications for the fantasy industry in this? And should they be worried about stuff like this? Well, the video part of it's definitely something that the leagues have control over, right? They can, if they want to strike deals with sportsbook operators or fantasy sports companies to to stream their games or provide co- or video content, that's something they can definitely do. Um, you see DraftKings do it on a lower level with EuroLeague, and they want to do it with the Arena Football League as well. Obviously, I, the the idea of streaming MLB and NBA games in DraftKings is a bit is a bit much, but. Um, but yeah, there's implications here for sure. The NBA and Major League Baseball, I won't bore you too much with the details, but they've lost twice in court trying to uh, have control over and monetize their data as it relates to fantasy sports. Uh, Motorola versus NBA and uh, CDC versus MLB, uh, which is th- these are two cases where they, they tried to stop people from they, from using their data to, to, to populate fantasy sports games. They both lost. And um, I, what we're seeing is the leagues, they would love to reverse that trend. I don't know if they care as much about fantasy sports as for the sports betting component of things, but they would, they, the whole, all of what we're seeing is uh, control over data, control over their product. And they, they just want to further monetize it. Uh, like some people who uh, like our friend, David Perdon over ESPN, the NBA likes to like NBA and MLB are in the business of making money. And if they have an opportunity to make more money, they're going to try to do that. And that's what we're seeing. Listen, I don't hate the I guess I don't hate basically coming out and trying to 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 get additional money. I mean, I I get it. Everyone it, no harm no foul, right? I mean, like it, if they'd have brought this up and then everyone said like, "Oh, okay, sure, how hey, you can have it." Then that would have been money left on the table had they not. But, you know, now they brought this up and there's been so many good counterpoints brought up. I mean, you guys do a ton of it on your sites and, and really and truly hammer down the reasons why most of these arguments are are really paper thin. It makes me wonder if we're going to see any sort of pivot or shift. Like, Brett, do you think at all if this continues for another, you know, uh, an, another six months and, and we're they're not seeing any traction whatsoever, do you see them crawfishing on this? Do you see them walking any of this back? Or do you think this is just now they've dug themselves such a hole that this has to be the position that they go down on the sword with? I'll pick that. I'll pick that one up. Okay. Uh, it's... 
yeah, you you could see them just they losing what they're 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 not winning in state legislatures. Let's put it that way. So far, they've gotten some bills introduced with what they want, which is intellectual property, and they want control over data rights. Um, but yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily see them ever giving up though. This is what they want. They've been trying to, to they've been trying through court cases, with, as we said, with Sanity Sports for do this for more than a decade. They they're not they're not going to give this up easily. They believe uh, that their i their IP is worth something, and they want to get compensated for it. Um, and this is their current avenue to try. To to do that and you know they're going to try to get something on the books where in at least one state it says hey we're getting paid for our intellectual property and then they'll use that as precedent in other states or in other jurisdictions and say hey you should be doing this too so uh, i don't think they're going to give it up easily that's for sure taking a look here you if you know dustin dustin is a guy that listens to more things that you would find incredibly boring than probably Uh any human on the face of the planet. That is why he's so good at what he does because he takes in all the stuff that you don't want to have to take in. And this is the reason you're listening to this podcast because we give it to you in little bite-sized nuggets right here so you don't even have to read on your own. So William Hill CEO, you're listening to this yesterday, Dustin. He, you know, comes out and says that, you know, that the U.S. will be a priority if PASPA votes, you know, go in their favor. He said that sports wagers are up seven for 2018 in Nevada. That's two-thirds of bets are placed via mobile. So all the things, all the trends that we continue to see here. Then he came out and said that they've already spent mid to high single-digit millions to ready the company here for you know this, this legalization across the United States. Now, he went on to say that Delaware was going to be the first to pop even before New Jersey. Was this something that was widely known? Because I saw a lot of people on Twitter come out and say like, oh, I thought it would just Jersey would just flip the switch and this, that, and the other. Was, was this something that, that took you back or is this something you kind of saw coming as well? You know, it's interesting. It's not something I had heard and stated in such certain terms. Delaware has uh, one of those states that's grandfathered in under PASPA. It already has parlay wagering uh, that William Hill actually runs uh, through the, ra- the the tracks and casinos there. So it's, you know, it's, it is almost a matter, if Delaware wants to do it, it is almost a matter of flipping a switch from parlay wagering to, okay, William Hill now has single game wagering prop bets. So um, they actually had a, a, a law similar to New Jersey where they tried to change single game ba- wagering back in 2009 also lost in federal court. Um, there's some talk that that law could just be used now if New Jersey wins. It's still it was a law that they passed. So um, yeah, it's interesting. Delaware, yeah. So there is a very real possibility. The state and regulators and lawmakers and the governor really haven't talked much about it. But you know, this is William Hill saying, "Hey, yeah, we're just going to go live in Delaware." Is a pretty good indication that that's the case. Yeah, Brett. So one of the things he also said on this call, um, and you're very familiar with the the industry as well, is whether or not they would just go with the William Hill brand basically across the United States. And he brought up, you know, the fact that while it is across the United States, you have to look at basically every single state as their own little country and this, this, that and the other. And he wasn't really, you know, sticking to his guns as to whether they would or would not. I mean, to me, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this. I mean, I think the William Hill brand is is pretty strong even for people that aren't you know knee deep in sports wagering i think that they know of the william hill brand i don't really see any reason to kind of mess around with uh, with changing the name or or not branding it you know basically across the entire country uh what say you yeah i agree i think william hill is going to be a monster in this market and why not stick with the brand it's already well positioned in las vegas and i think as we see more and more states um hopefully uh enter the space uh, William Hill across all of these states. And it looks, it sounds like they're 
going to be ready to go in as many as 17 states already. They've got uh, uh, licenses or you know deals with casinos there. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think William Hill uh, should definitely stick with their brand if they're moving forward. With yeah, this. it just seems a little odd to try and, and maybe create some confusion across the way. And then who knows if we ever do get some sort of national regulation and then you got to do all that. Now, Dustin, he also said that, that after uh, after Jersey, we would be looking at Mississippi and West Virginia. That being said, on the West Virginia side of things, we got old Governor Jim Justice, who's up to some shenanigans over there in West Virginia, our good <laughs> friends. Tell everyone what old Jim Justice is up to. Uh, so they're trying to call a special session to revisit the law that they passed in March. West Virginia, West Virginia is the only state so far this year to actually pass a law that legalizes sports betting pending the New Jersey case. So the governor, uh, you know, has one of his one of the lobbyists who has his year is connected to the leagues, the NBA and MLB. And they've basically said they actually had a meeting today, which I haven't heard anything about the outcome of that meeting where the casinos and the leagues all got in a room and talked about the law and whether they're going to try to change it or not. So a special session in West Virginia would come later this month. I don't see a whole lot of will for the state to go back and change that law and give the leagues what they want. But, you know, the leagues are not giving up. So, um, yeah, and the governor is the one who is trying to put this all together. Um, whether he's successful or not remains to be seen, but I would not bet on it. Yeah, pretty interesting, though, that it almost seems like this is a bit of transparency as well because, you know, he let this become law. He didn't veto it. And now he wants to listen to all these big, powerful people with deep pockets. That just seems pretty interesting. Not going to say they're in here. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything, but uh, you're not going to accuse <laughs> old Governor Jim Justice of anything. But I mean, you know, a law he let become a law. And now he wants to listen to these people with a lot of money and influence. Yeah. I don't know. It almost sounds like there's politics being played here. Oh, almost, almost, yeah, almost like lobbyists run our yeah, political system. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, and and also and also he could have vetoed the law and he just he didn't do that. So it's all like I don't get why we're why we're going through the song and dance of trying to change a law that was overwhelmingly passed in this in the legislature. It wasn't signed by the governor, but it was allowed to lapse into law. So like if you want to change change this law you have a lot of inflection points to do that so i i'm just like why or it's, <laughs> it's the leagues crying over spilt milk for me one of the stories that was a big story in vegas and now has grown to basically a, a one of the biggest in my opinion a story that one is is even as much pubs as getting is one of the most undercovered un, under reported stories basically in sports is this golden knight story and what an incredible feat this is brett you're a hockey guy i know whenever the expansion team came out i'm sure you like many other people uh let's just let's call it the westgate for example who opened them at 300 to 1 to win it all i assume you thought that they were going to be terrible just based off the fact that they're an expansion team yeah, of course. And I'll admit, I was anti-NHL in Vegas from the start, solely because I didn't want to see the league's talent pool watered down with another franchise. But somehow, in the end, the league has gifted hockey fans with a story that we're never going to forget, regardless of the outcome here in the final month. It's been amazing for the city in the first year of their uh, pro sports franchise. But it's been Simply, it's a sports fan. It's it's been great to watch, and I mean, you said it. I mean, it's been a special year for, for, hockey, and Vegas, and we're never going to see anything like this. That Westgate line opened at three hundred to one for them to win it all. They <laughs> bumped it to five hundred to one for a very short amount of time because they weren't they weren't getting enough action. Um, the five hundred to one didn't last that long. It, it went back down because they were able to get some some money on it. Now, if you were wondering where those lines sit. 
They are plus 280 at MGM. They are plus 300 at the win and plus 225 at Stations Casinos to win it all. And if you're wondering, guys, that's just, that's you know, that's two and a quarter to one, 2.8 to one, and three to one. So down from 300 to one to where they are right now. I mean, this story is is completely crazy. Dustin, do you have a hockey team? Like, do you have anyone that you root for? Are you still a Pennsylvania hockey guy? Or uh, now that you've moved to the West Coast, does that changed or what? Yeah, sadly, I'm a Flyers fan. That's uh, that's 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 a that's a losing bit thing for sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just in Vegas not long ago uh, there for one of the first for while they were playing the Kings in the first round, and it is crazy to me just to, to be like walk like walking around and this like random bars. Had, you know, on the strip had the game on with the sound on just like a hockey game in Vegas like it's not the Stanley Cup finals that's that's kind of bizarre to me it's, but it was it was cool to see because obviously people are kind of are really getting behind it and uh, really excited about it yeah I mean there's a lot of stories that are written I think uh pretty ill-informed of the doom and gloom of the Vegas sports books that if the the Knights were to win this but listen they're these guys understand how this all works. I mean, you know, Brett, if, if, if they win it all this year, they're going to make all the money back in future bets next year. And they're not worried. They are not worried about the golden Knights winning this year. I can guarantee you all these, all these articles and tweets you see about, Oh my God, Vegas is going to go under the Knights win. Look, these guys have been doing this a long, long time. They're going to open up those future books. Everyone's going to pour their money in, and the odds of them winning back-to-back championships, if they were to win this year, is astronomical anyway, and all that money's going to go into the coffers, and everything's going to be fine and dandy. So, I mean, it's it, to me, I think this is being overblown. Yeah. Hey, look, if the farther Vegas goes in this, it's better for the city. It's better for the sports books because there's more interest in hockey in Las Vegas where all these bets are coming in. So uh, I think you're right. I don't they're not on the hook for all that much anyway, because you can only put down a certain amount. There are limits with these future bets. So uh, I, I think you know, regardless of whether they win or not this year, it's, it's, it's great for the sports books in Las Vegas. Let's hit on some poker stuff here to close things out. We have a guy, Gordon Veo, and if that name sounds familiar to you, it might be because he was the runner-up to the 2016 World Series Poker main event, finished second for $4.6 million in that. However, on May the 2nd, he filed a suit claiming fraud and false advertising against PokerStars. PokerStars, obviously the biggest poker provider online in the world. Now, Dustin, he says that Stars owes him nearly $700,000. Now, why does he say this? So PokerStars said he um, played uh, in a t- this big tournament and, and won it while playing in the United States. Um, obviously, that's not legal ever since Black Friday. You can't play in, in the United States on PokerStars unless you happen to be in New Jersey, which has uh, a ring fence site. So uh, PokerStars is saying that he they, they withheld the money because he was playing illegally. He says he was in Canada at the time. So right now we're uh, he said, she said, we've got a lawsuit. Uh, via, uh, he's, he's suing PokerStars. And, you know, who knows, we're going to forget if, if there might be angling for a settlement, we might actually see discovery and like a, a trial in the case. We don't know. But yeah, right now he said and PokerStars said, and it's like right now it's hard to believe it's hard to know who to believe, you know, from from speaking, from talking with knowing the regulated gambling markets. PokerStars is a much bigger problem if they can't identify that a player is in the United States. Geolocation is uh, a big key to regulatory uh, oversight in the United States and in Europe, where, where you're if you're out, if you leave New Jersey, 
you can't play on PokerStars or any on any on New Jersey online casino site. So, you know, it's hard to believe that PokerStars can't identify where he was playing at the time. So, you know, you know, from, without any additional information, I'm not saying he's lying, but I'm 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 going to say it's it's not likely that PokerStars is misidentifying where he was playing at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's where I was kind of going to go with this. I mean, Brett, you and I know tons of people in the the poker industry that are pros that you know split time between you know vegas and canada or wherever it might be in canada they'll go up there to play the big tournament series and whatnot which is what veo is claiming here because this was a scoop event and so you know it it, it would make sense that he would have gone to canada to play and things like that but you, you know like dustin said here for me it's hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that 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 poker stars would go to bat for something like this if if they weren't pretty damn sure of where he was when this went down. Well, they need to be 100% sure, right? Like, apparently they have undeniable proof that uh, Vio was in the U.S. when that happened. Mm -hmm. That's not for us to say. We have no idea. What's interesting is that Vio is claiming that PokerStars is taking advantage of these U.S. expats who are playing outside the country. He's saying that they're raking money from these players when they lose, but then had the ability to confiscate the winnings fraudulently when they win. So... That's that's the the real big thing here, and it, it's a massive win here for Vio, a seven hundred thousand uh, dollar spring championship of online poker score that we're talking about. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to me. Very interested to see how this all plays down here in the United States, though. Michigan, come out. We've got a guy. We had a great article. Uh, you had an article a couple of weeks ago on your site there, Dustin, talking about how that you know one of the representatives there felt very confident in a bill that he was going to get through, that it was going to you know be good to go by early May. Now he's saying that this is bumped to June the twenty first. What's going on here? Why are we missing deadlines? I mean, this is this is politics, Dustin. When you tell me something's going to happen, it's supposed to happen. I mean. What's going on here? Look, I, I cover gambling and online gambling. It's always a surprise when something actually happens. Like we were, I remember, I remember us sitting around with, with the other writers in our network when Pennsylvania happened. Like none of us actually believed Pennsylvania was going to legalize online poker and gambling until the governor's name was literally on the bill. Like we all thought there was something's going to happen. They're going to mess this up. So Michigan, same way. It's like there's just a lot going on. They have commercial casinos. They have uh, tribal casinos who don't really who are kind of standoffish when it comes to both sports spending and online gambling. So uh, it's a it's a complicated mess. They don't have an answer to it. Like They've been working on it for about a year, actually going back to 2016, but really seriously in the past year. Um, this The representative who's sponsoring the bill has you know obviously been trying to work a lot behind the scenes with the tribes and the three commercial casinos in Detroit. Um, when I say I don't think we're going to see a bill pass this year, but you know hopefully all this work gets you know to us to a in the near future, Michigan legalizes it and becomes one of the one of the next states to legalize both sports betting and online casinos and poker. So if you are in Michigan, you need to just call and write and do all those things that it seems like it doesn't make a difference. But listen, it could, it might. And even if it doesn't, no harm, no foul. At least you feel like you did your part. And then whenever it doesn't go your way, the crushing defeat of you doing your part. I mean, it's, it's everything. You feel more invested if you write a letter or you make a phone call or, or, or do an email, whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, maybe give that a, a whirl for all you Michigan people up there. And one last thing before we get out of here. I mean, Dustin, you and I mentioned last week that it was the, you know, the beginning of the merged U.S. poker regime here with WSOP in New Jersey and in Nevada. And, you know, listen, after in a very, very small sample size here over, you know, the course of you know, the first big weekend 
Uh, it looks like it's going to be a success. We've got cash traffic that's definitely up. They were, you know, boasting this 100K guaranteed tournament that they were going to run. They ended up getting 100, over $150,000 in the prize pool for, for that tournament as well. I mean, Brett, you know a lot of the guys that come out here for the summer play a ton online whenever they are out here for the World Series of Poker. So I think what we're probably going to see here over, you know, over at least through the end, uh, through the middle of July when the World Series kind of starts to wrap up uh, I think we're going to see some pretty big numbers here I think we're going to see some pretty big you know a pretty big success in getting this done before the World Series actually gets going because I think there will be a lot of people who will take advantage of this I mean you can walk through the Rio during some of these tournaments and you see guys on you know their iPads or computers and things like that like playing while they're actually playing live poker as well so um, I think this is going to be pretty interesting now where it goes after July you know it's, it's certainly going to go down certainly going to have uh, the, the numbers decrease here but you know listen all in all first weekend I think that I think the World Series probably has to be pretty or well Caesars in general has to be uh, pretty 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 happy with how things are going. Yeah, it wasn't the strongest first week that we could have envisioned, but like with anything else, there's going to be some hurdles. And in this case, there were new account registration and some reported glitches with people unable to sign up uh, or at least having issues signing up. But yeah, the timing of this merger with New Jersey and Delaware right before the World Series of Poker, when more eyes are on poker than the rest of the year, is exciting. And yeah, $15 million in guaranteed prize pools uh, through the end of July, I think. There's, there's huge potential here. And with Pennsylvania possibly joining the fray within the next year. Uh, I mean, we're talking about huge, huge numbers um, for online poker in the U.S. Yeah, and look, the, the World Series of Poker, the WSOP's website was uh, last in the New Jersey market behind the other two operators, Poker Stars and uh, and uh, Borgata Network. So they're now we're now looking at their traffic over at PokerScout.com. We see their seven-day average is 220 Poker stars peak over for is 220, and the, uh, this is the same number basically. So right. we're seeing them hit, uh, you know, cat, a traffic of 500 people concurrently, which is you know far surpassed than anything we've seen in a single state so far. So, you know, it like we're, it's all incremental, but this is also you know it's it's exciting to see because we're finally seeing a little bit of what if more states join the fray, like like Brett said, we're going to see you know bigger prize pools, more people playing, and that's exciting for everyone who likes online poker. You know, as usual, if you're looking for all things uh, gambling related, you can head to LegalSportsReport.com. If you're looking for all things poker related, you can head to OnlinePokerReport.com and all things sports betting and hot takes, you can head to TheLines.com. And Brett, one of the other places if people are looking to possibly come out here this summer for when I say out here I'm in Vegas I'm talking as if we're all in Vegas but if they want to come out to Vegas and, and take in the World Series um, we actually have a, a site in the network as well that has broken down a lot of different things not just for the World Series but you know maybe you want to play something with a lower price point there's tons of that going on out here as well can you let everybody know where that all can be found and what all good information can be found yeah uspoker.com if you're coming out to Las Vegas to play uh, during the World Series of Poker, there are series taking place all over, and we've got schedules for all of them. We've got the best events for your budget. We've got uh, the best value events, uh, things that we'd like to see changed for the World Series of Poker and around Las Vegas this summer. A lot of great content if you are making the trip out to, uh, to play a little poker this summer. Tell everyone where they can find you on the Twitter machine so they can read your one tweet a week that you throw out. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, I, I had at least two or three retweets this week, but you can find me 
at Brett Colson, uh, B-R-E-T-T-C-O-L-L-S-O-N. And Matt, I'm sure will push me to uh, tweet a little more here, especially as we get into the World Series of Poker. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing some of that. And Dustin, where can everyone find you and all your myriad of sites that you run? Uh, on Twitter, Dustin Gauker, G-O-U-K-E-R. We've got LSP report for legal sports report and OPR update for online poker update. We're for online poker report. We're, uh, yeah, constantly doing anything news related, sports betting, online gambling, online poker. So. Yeah, guys, and of course the Lines US on there as well. If you want to follow me, mainly for, you know, whatever it might be. Lukewarm, nonsense. Luke, Mostly nonsense. Lukewarm takes on things that are going on in the sports world. It's at Matt Brown M2. Dustin, Brad, thanks so much for being here this week. We got a we got through a lot of stuff very efficiently. Hopefully you guys like the format of us moving through this stuff rapidly and giving you all of the bits and bites from the week so that you don't have to read and listen to all of the terrible things that Dustin has to on a weekly basis. <laughs> For Dustin and Brett, my name is Matt Brown. We will see you guys next week.